Well, all right, let's uh, dive into God's Word together, and I want to invite you uh, to uh, grab a Bible or to um, grab your device and open it to the book of Mark. Uh, We're going to be in Mark chapter 4 today, uh, verses 35 through 41, and we're kicking off a new series today, as I mentioned, called Emotions. And, um, you know, this is... this has been an interesting season to, to see um, the various emotions that we've kind of been going through as a culture, maybe, um, in this season. And, you know, human beings are emotional creatures, and um, sometimes certain things really stir our emotions, right? And so sometimes it's something as simple as uh, a movie um, or uh, music or something in sports uh, that we might watch um, can stir that um, to celebration or to sadness and a myriad of emotions. Um, Weddings can do this. The birth of a new baby can do this. All these things can stir our emotions. Sometimes difficulty, pain, trials that we go through can affect us emotionally. And in all of our lives, we have experienced um, various emotions like fear and sadness or happiness or anger and a host of others. And if we're not careful... Our emotions can get the better of us. They, they can begin to dominate our lives. They can begin to affect our choices. And so understanding these things and, and what God calls us to as emotional creatures is, is very important. You know, there's, the, today we're going to look at the fear, uh, excuse me, the emotion of fear because I think that's a, a really important one to tackle because that's one that we're seeing played out a lot in our culture right now. There's a lot of temptation to fear right now. A lot of things going on to stoke your fear um, these days in our culture. Maybe you've heard there's a virus. I don't know if you're aware, um, but there's a virus that's out there uh, that can certainly stoke fear in in many, and that's an obvious one. Maybe you've seen some of the um, injustice that we've seen um, over the course of the last few months. Some some of the things have been caught on video that can certainly stir us emotionally when we see these things and these horrible deaths that have happened. Or maybe you've seen some of the anarchy and the violence in the streets of some of the the cities in our our nation, and that certainly can stir us um, emotionally. Um, We can look at the economy and some of the the jobs that have been affected, um, the jobs that have been lost, and that certainly can affect us um, emotionally. And then I don't know if you knew this or not, uh, but 2020 is an election year. And so things are certainly going to get better for people, right? No, obviously, that's affecting people emotionally, too, is many people are very passionate, right, about politics and about um, whoever their person is, that they want to win the election or whatever. And, and so all these things have ways to affect us emotionally and to, even if we're not careful, begin to dominate our lives. And so whether it's the virus or whether it's the economy or whatever it may be or the murder hornets, you know, we've, got those, we've forgotten that there's murder hornets. Um, 2020 has been a weird year and the temptation to fear is all around. And I was reminded as I was studying this week of a, of, of a brand of t-shirt that was real popular when I was like a teenager in the 1990s, right? And so I was born in the 80s, but I was a teenager in the 90s. And this particular brand of t-shirt was called No Fear, right? And these were in North Alabama. This was a very popular t-shirt. Maybe they still make them, but they were, they were big in the 90s. And some of the, I'll give you an example of some of the types of slogans that were on these shirts that were so popular. Uh, here's one. Uh, it would say this, the older I get, the better I was. And then you would see the little logo at the bottom, no fear, right? Uh, here's another one. Um, you let up, you lose, right? And then you'd have the, the logo there, no fear. Um, it's not the pace of life that concerns me. It's the sudden stop at the end, no fear. There'd be all these kind of little goofy sayings. And so I got to thinking, if, if 2020 had a no fear shirt, 
Um, what would the 2020 No Fear shirt? This is what I came up with. It might say something like this. It's not the Rona that keeps me up at night. It's the aliens. No fear, right? Because in case you've forgotten, that's the newest thing that we've heard about, right? So it's been a weird year. And a lot of things out there, they're stoking people to, 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 in this week we're talking about fear. And I'm betting you have experienced some different emotions um, during this weird season. You've probably at times been angry or tempted to fear or uh, you might have wrestled with sadness or depression even and it's because you're a human being and, and we're not created to live in kind of the way that we're, we've had to live in, during some of these seasons. And so, so I want to talk to you about fear today and in, in prep for this I googled the phrase fear and the pandemic and um, guess how many results came up uh, when I googled that? 3.65 million results under the topic fear and the pandemic. And I mean, just article after article that popped up of people that have written articles and psychology, uh, psychology today and things of that nature. Um, so I'll, I'll, it's, it's real, right? It's a real thing. And I want to remind you today that the most common phrase in the Bible, the most common command, if you will, in the Bible is do not fear or fear not. And the reason it's so common is because God understands the world that we're in, right? And, uh, and you won't see that command prior to Genesis 3. Prior to the fall of man, you won't see God say, fear not. I mean, it was like, what would, what would there have been to fear? But we live in a fallen, broken world, and the temptation to fear is all around, and there are very real things out there that stoke fear inside of us, and many times fear is a very natural reaction. And so, but God invites us through the scriptures to come to him, to trust him, to fear not, he tells his people, for I am with you. Like the most common phrase that you'll see after fear not in the Bible is, for I am with you. And today I want to point you to Jesus in the midst of this season that we're in, uh, that where you may be tempted to fear, because I believe he's the one we need to look to. And I believe in this story that you'll see here in the Gospel of Mark, you'll see that the disciples got one thing right. They got some things wrong, but they got one thing right in the story is that it, with their fear, they went to Jesus. So let's go with our fears to Jesus this morning in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through verse 41. Mark writes, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, that's Jesus saying to the disciples, let us go across to the other side. Now to the other side here is the Sea of Galilee. And it says, in leaving the crowd, verse 36, they took, with, they took him with them in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So here in this section of Scripture, in this story, we, we've got Mark is focusing in on the power and the authority of Jesus. Really, in this, through this whole section, he, we see here we see Jesus' power over nature. The purpose of this story right here is to show us that Jesus has power over anything in nature that you can possibly imagine. Uh, he is the king of kings, and he, he is king over all things. And next, he will, in, in Mark, if you were to follow along in Mark's story, you'll see him cast out a demon, showing that he has power over demons demons and he has power over evil and then he'll there's a, a lady that comes to him who is sick and he heals her showing that he has power over sickness and authority over that and, and and over disease and and finally he will raise a little girl from the dead showing he has power over death and foreshadowing what's going to happen at the end of the gospel of mark 
after he's crucified when he's resurrected from the dead. So Mark would have us understand something with these stories, and that is this, that, that Jesus is God in the flesh, that the Son of God is God the Son, that there is no force, no power, no person, not anything that can defeat him, that there's literally no one like the Lord Jesus Christ. The, you know, when you think about this story, it's kind of hard for us to picture it, you know, and we're kind of thinking like, what, what's going on here and what did this storm look like? And we think of, you know, storms that we see today or hurricanes and things of that nature. Well, the Sea of Galilee is where this took place, and this was about 700 feet below sea level. And because it was about 700 feet below sea, sea level, this led to storms that would come suddenly and unexpectedly there in the Sea of Galilee. And, and still to this day, uh, this, this still happens. And, and they find themselves here in one of these storms, and things look really bad, right? Uh, they're fearing for their lives and yet Jesus is over here asleep in the boat and so when you picture that it's just incredible to think about what did that look like they're in this storm that is so bad that they think they're going to die and yet Jesus is asleep right and so there's um there's a, there's a children's Bible that we read often to our kids called the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. And I encourage you if you're a parent with small children to get that and to read it to them especially if they're in that kind of like uh eight and under kind of age. Uh, it's just a great way, uh, vivid uh, thing there. And we use it a lot here at our church. And I really love the art uh, that's in that. And so one of my favorite uh, pictures is, uh, is from this story. And so some time ago, a couple of years ago, I think, my wife bought me a print um, of that, get it this where you can see it, uh, a print of, uh, of that picture of them in the storm there, and there uh, is a guy hanging there from the uh, cell, and I, in my mind, that's Peter. I don't know who that's supposed to be, but you see Jesus, right? He's just snoozing there in the boat, and I've always loved that picture of everybody freaking out but one guy, right? The one guy, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ who is not at all not at all freaking out, not panicking. He's not fearful because um, he's in control, right, <laughs> of, the, of, the, of the storm. And, you know, when you think about that situation and you think about these guys that were in this boat with Jesus, some of these guys had been fishermen. And they had certainly been in the Sea of Galilee, and they, they no doubt knew these waters and had been caught in storms in these waters most likely. Yet here they find themselves in a storm that they didn't know what to do with this particular storm. This one seems to be unique. Uh, it must have really been some storm um, to catch these, have these guys this fearful. And, 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 and the fact that it was in a place that they probably had frequented, right, and had been in many times, is kind of a good illustration for us in the sense that sometimes in life, because sometimes the storms that we face in life, okay, some, some of the scary things we go through in life, some of the difficulties and situations and circumstances and trials and painful things even that we might go through in life arise in areas of life where normally very comfortable, very familiar waters, if you will, at work or in the home or in our marriage or with our kids and our parenting, Sometimes the greatest storms arise in these arenas and waters that you know and that you operate in all the time. And you've been through storms there before, but sometimes a storm hits unlike anything you've ever experienced. And that's what's happening for these guys, and that happens for us sometimes too. And it, it, it provokes fear within us. And now the people Mark was writing to, they're about to, in the gospel of Mark, the people that were going to read this first before we got it, uh, they, were, they were about to go through persecution. 
A storm of persecution was headed their way. And in a sense, this story is a way to point them to their need for faith and not fear in the midst of that storm. They, they needed to go to Jesus and rest in Jesus because, as you see, the hero of the story is clearly the Lord Jesus. He's the commander of the storm. He's the Lord over the storm. Um, it, it must submit ultimately to him. And this story, showing the power of Jesus over nature, showing his deity and his lordship is a reminder that Jesus is sufficient, that Jesus is able to handle any situation that we find ourselves in in life, that our faith is not simply in theological concepts. It's in a very real person, right? It's in the Lord Jesus Christ, the living Christ. But if I was to ask you, can you sympathize with these disciples? I think you would say yes. Sure you can. Because fear seems like a natural response to this situation. The boat is filling with water. Things look bad. To top it all off, Jesus is asleep. <laughs> Jesus is asleep. And the tension I feel in this text is when they, when they wake Jesus up and they say, do you not care that we are perishing? Is that not a strange thing to say to the Lord Jesus Christ? Sure it is. They assume because Jesus is asleep that he doesn't care. They look at the circumstances and then see Jesus not responding how they feel and how they think he should be responding in that moment, and they panic. They're filled with fear, and they accuse Jesus of not caring. Jesus, who would later go to the cross and die for them on the cross. What an incredible picture here. And it's a reminder for us that our circumstances will sometimes lie to us, that the storms of this life have a way of distracting us from faith in Jesus to fear of whatever we're going through or whatever we're walking through at that moment. I'm, I'm reminded of when Peter um, was seeing, they, they were out in the boat in another instance, and, and Jesus comes walking to them on the water, and Peter's like, Lord, ask me to come to you, and I'll walk on the water. And Jesus says, come on. And he jumps out in the water, and he starts walking on the water. His eyes are fixated on Jesus, and all of a sudden, though, he begins to get distracted by the waves and, and by the wind, and he begins to look around, and he gets his eyes off Jesus, and he sinks Right there, and Jesus ends up, and he has a call out to Jesus to, to save him, right? We're so easily distracted. Our eyes are so easily pulled away from the Lord Jesus, uh, that especially if we're not careful in these difficult seasons we sometimes go through in life, that can, we're, times where we can be fearful, and we need to most clearly be seeing and looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. Your circumstances will lie to you. They have a way of distracting you. Don't fall into the temptation to doubt the Lord. Um, in your storm, whatever your storm may be. Fear and doubt arise when our faith is shaken. And that's why Jesus asked the question here. He says, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? He says, do, 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 where's your faith? Do you have no faith? He asked. Jesus sets faith and fear uh, against one another kind of here. Like It's kind of like, like a choice. Like you, you're afraid, so you're obviously not operating in faith. If you, had, if you were operating in faith, you obviously wouldn't have been afraid, it seems like, that he's pointing to in this situation. Because here, they're, they're dominated by this fear, right? They're kind of held captive to it. And, and, and in this situation, that's, Jesus is calling them out here. He's rebuking them, in a sense, to encourage them to believe. Because our faith cannot flourish when our hearts are swallowed up in fear. Fear has a way of paralyzing us, right? It, it has a way of just causing us to, to freeze, and it has a way of causing us to, 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 to begin to look at everything else other than to trust the Lord. So in the storms of life, we have a choice. We can be slaves to fear or we can walk in faith. And fear that, 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 can, that can get to us, right? And it can begin to kind of, we can kind of be tempted to, to wander off into in the midst of these situations. is fear like this. Fear that God doesn't hear. 
right, in the, when we cry to him in those situations. Fear that he doesn't care, as we saw from the disciples there. Fear that we've been forgotten or abandoned. Fear, fear that this is never going to end, right? Maybe you thought about that with the pandemic. We, we, can, we can choose fear or we can choose faith. Faith that God is greater than the storm we're going through. Faith that God's got this. Faith that he's got us. Faith that no matter what comes, that God's, gonna, that God's going to be true to us, to, to his people. And this text gives us some principles here that would encourage believers to faith and not fear in our storm. So I want to give you, share quickly with you three principles to encourage you to pursue faith and not fear in the storms that you go through. The first one here, number one, is that God is in control. That's the first principle. And we see that exhibited in this story through the power of Jesus. In Mark, they had seen Jesus heal a leper, heal a man with a withered hand and a paralytic, deliver a man from an evil spirit, all before you get to this story in Mark. So they should have a clue about the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here Jesus shows them he even has power over nature. And you can imagine being in, at sea in the storm in a, in, a, in a boat and thinking you're about to sink. Now remember, this is a wooden boat that was built some 2,000 years ago. And I don't know if you're aware, but boat tech has improved quite a bit in the last 2,000 years. So I can't imagine what it was like. Because here's the thing, boat tech has improved, but the storms are still the same, right? So storms are still storms. And so, but the, the kind of boats that we have have gotten much better. And then, so you're freaking out. And then you look and the, the leader, right? The one you've seen do all the great and mighty stuff, he's asleep, right? He's asleep. And you wake him up because you think you're about to die. He gets up, he rebukes the storm, and the storm listens to him. He tells everything, peace be still, and the waves and the wind stops. Now, if you woke me up from a nap on a boat after a long day and there's a bad storm, I might get up and rebuke some stuff. <laughs> but it would probably be because I would be half asleep, right? And here's what would happen. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. The interesting thing about this story is not so much that Jesus spoke to these things, right? We've all, you know, gotten mad at the TV remote and banged it on our head and said, why don't you work, right? We've all spoke to things, but Jesus isn't speaking in anger. He's not speaking here because he's going crazy. He's speaking to nature, and nature is obeying. That's the weird thing about the story. The weird thing about the story is that the sea obeys him, that the storm obeys him, that the wind obeys him. Think about that, that he, is, that he has that kind of power and authority in the Greek. When he says be still can literally mean be muzzled. Think about that for a second. Just, just be muzzled, be quiet, hush, he's saying. And then this hush falls. Who can talk to the wind, the waves, the sea, the storm like this and get results? Only God. And that's what Mark wants you to understand. That's the kind of power we're talking about. Uh, in the Old Testament, it's God who is pictured as the one with this kind of authority and only God. Psalm 33, verses 6 through 9 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Think about that passage for a second. The word of the Lord, he made the heavens, he, he made all this stuff, he gathers the waters of the sea, it says, into, into a heap. And then it says what? So fear the Lord. And in this situation, right, by the end of the story, who are they fearing? They're, now the fear has switched. It's fear of Jesus, right? Because we don't need to fear the storm. We need to fear the Lord of the storm. We need to fear the one in absolute control. We need to be in reverential awe of him. We need, we need to bow in worship before him. Because he has absolute power. He is the ultimate king. Psalm 107, Psalm 107, verses 29 and 30 says, He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. 
Then they were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven. It's God who has this kind of authority. Jesus is revealing here his absolute authority as the son of God. And Mark wants us to see Jesus is a man. Yes, he's asleep in the boat because he needed to rest. But he's more than a man. He's the God man who can calm the storm. And Jesus rebukes them for their lack of faith because they had no reason to fear because Jesus is greater than the storm and Jesus is sovereign over the storm. In fact, the disciples, like I said, become fearful of Jesus at this point and, and, and people debate kind of what the fear is here. But notice what it says. It says they are filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this, right? And Mark wants you to ask that question. Who is this that the, the, that the wind and the sea obey him? It's not just any man. It's God in the flesh. One person I read this week pointed out that a different word for fear is used here than when Jesus rebuked them for their fear. And it could be pointing to the fact that here the fear is different. It's an awe. It's a worshipful awe they have of Jesus possibly here. That they had come to understand that the person in the boat, man, he, he's, he's, he's Lord over even the storm. We need to understand that Jesus is greater than our storms, that he has the authority and the power, that he is, ab- he is never not in control, that, that our God, that our God is in heaven, as the psalmist says, and does all that he pleases. He is sovereign over all things. He rules, he reigns, he spoke the earth into existence, and that he can handle whatever crisis comes our way. And that's the first thing we need to notice here, that we should choose faith over fear because our God is in control. Uh, our savior is king of kings we don't serve a god who is caught off guard by pandemics and who is held captive to the trials of this life you may turn on the news and you may get freaked out and i can understand that but you can have faith and not fear because god is bigger and he will use all things for his glory and for your good for his good purposes and that's what he's promised in christ now the second thing the second principle here i got god is in control we see that through the power of jesus i also want you to see that god is faithful And we see that through the promise of Jesus. Uh, There's something subtle in the text that we can miss. Commentators do a great job of pointing this out. But when you're just kind of reading your Bible um, and you get to this story, it's so easy to be captivated by the storm and by Jesus calming the storm that we kind of miss the very first verse of the story, verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, let us go across to the other side. Let me tell you, Jesus never invited anyone anywhere that he couldn't get them to. Never, never. What was Jesus' plan? To go to the other side. Where did he invite them to go? To the other side. He's saying, we're going to the other side. Come with me. Let's go to the other side. Jesus keeps every promise. Jesus executes every plan. As one commentator said, Jesus didn't say, let's go drown in the sea. No, he said, let's go to the other side. And we can count on God because, yes, he's in control. And he has all power. And nothing can hinder him from accomplishing his plans or keeping his promises. But we also need to be reminded that, you know, we break promises sometimes. And we've had promises broken to us. Have you ever had someone break a promise to you? And so it's not, it's not, it's, it's not just that, that God has said something. It's that God keeps the promises. And he's capable of keeping his promises. He has the power to keep the promise. So he's faithful. Our God is faithful, and we need to be reminded of that when we see this text. You know, a husband could, could make a promise to his wife that, hey, tonight I'm going to take you to this nice place to eat dinner, and, and we're going to sit across from one another and, and stare at the top half of each other's faces and stare into each other's eyes and foreheads because we can't see below each other's noses. And, um, but, you know, he might not even be able to keep that promise. There are things that could happen today that would prevent him from taking his wife out, Right? 
And we've all been in situations where we meant to do something and we couldn't do it or something happened that kept us from being able to do it. And I'm telling you, there is not a promise God makes. There's not a plan God has that can be thwarted by anything or by anyone. And when God says, I'll get you to the other side, God's going to get you to the other side. He never lacks ability to do his perfect will. He never lacks the will, the strength, or the ability, or the faithfulness. Our God is faithful to do all he has said. Now, now fear. Fear will say we will drown. Fear will say Jesus doesn't care about us. That's what we see going on here. But faith, the disciples, faith should have been saying to them, Jesus said we're going to the other side of the sea. Right? Right? This storm's something we've got to pass through, but it's an interruption. It's not the destination because Jesus has told us what the destination is. And believer, our storms are not our destination. God will see us through. He'll see us through. Yes, this life is full of pain and difficulty, and yes, sometimes we die in the storm. But even in that, it passes because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The one who calmed the sea in Mark 4, he raises the dead over in Mark 5. He's resurrected from the dead in Mark 16. I'm telling you, Jesus has overcome and our God is faithful to get us to the other side. In Romans 8, 37 and 38, familiar passage that's very encouraging for us when we're tempted to, to fear. It's no, in all these things, Paul says, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God's love. He is faithful to us. He is keeping his promises to us in every season of life and every storm we go through. And when your heart is filled with fear and when your mind can't wrap itself around tomorrow or what's going on in the world, remind yourself of the promises of God. That the things he has said, not the things he hasn't said, but the things he has said he will do. The things he has said he'll do. God will get us where he says he'll get us. And God will do in us what he says he'll do in us. And God will do through us what he says he'll do through us. God keeps his word. He's faithful. There's a third bedrock principle here that we need to remember. God is with you. God is with you. And we see that on display through the presence of Jesus in this passage. Finally, the disciples should have not feared but rather had faith in Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, God in the flesh, simply because he was in the boat. (laughs) He didn't just send them to the other side. He got in to go to the other side, the one with power, the one who had the plan, right? He's with them. The presence of Jesus in the boat with them in the middle of the storm is a reminder to us that God is with his people at all times, no matter what we go through. And what bothers them is that he's there, but he's asleep, right? And they read that as unconcerned. The truth is, he's expressing confident trust in God. They are a picture of panic. He's a picture of peace. They're freaking out, right? They're in fear. He's operating in just faith and trust. He knows what his father's plan is for him. He knows that in any moment he could speak and everything has to be calm and and to stop. And so so he's there and, and he's with them and he's the absolute picture of tranquility. And, you know, if you're a follower of Christ, you, you know and you understand something theologically, and that is that God is with you, right? God is with you. And here, God is with them. In the, we see the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in the boat. But believe it, the Holy Spirit's with you right now, taking up residence in your life. If you've got faith in Christ, he's taking up residence in you, and, and, and you will never be left. You'll never be forsaken. But functionally and practically, 
You can easily forget this and begin to operate the, like, oh, I know this is true, but we don't begin to, we stop living like it's true. We stop living like it's true that God is with us and he's present with us. And we have to hold to the promise that God is in control, that his power trumps all, that he is faithful to keep his promises and accomplish his plans, that he is with us. Listen, this, this makes Christianity radically different from everything else. We believe our God is with us in the storms of life. And this text is just a great reminder of that. And I'm not, you know, I just, I want us to, to realize that, that, that Jesus was with them there and that God is with us now and, and, and that that should be an encouragement to us that the one with the power, right, and the one with the plan um, is with us in storms. Isaiah 43, 2 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Or John 14, verses 15 through 17, when Jesus said, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and Jesus said, and will be in you. What an incredible promise. Listen, the one with all the power, with all the control, the one who is faithful is with you, believer. And listen, the fact that he has power matters, right? I mean, presence matters. If you're afraid, you don't want to be alone, right? Like, if you're, if you're scared enough, kind of anyone will do. <laughs> like, you just want some presence there. I remember as a kid, if you watch something scary or something, you just want to be in the room with someone. But God being with you makes all the difference. These guys had each other in the boat, but none of them were a match for a raging sea. You need the one with you who is greater than what you face. So, for instance, if your house caught on fire, you don't call the doctor. Call the fireman because they, do, they deal with fires, right? They're equipped for that. If you have a heart attack, you don't call the fireman. You, you go to the doctor. You, call the, you go to the ER, right? And so we, we go to the one with the qualifications to deal with what we're dealing with. And through faith in Christ, God gives us his very spirit. And we serve a God who has defeated the grave and who has healed diseases and who will one day vanquish death itself. He's got all the qualifications. He's the one you want with you in any and every circumstance, in any and every season. It's his presence that we lean on and rely on. And believer, you need to be reminded today that he's with you. Believer, God has not abandoned you, no matter what you're going through or what season of life you're in. This is the promise of the gospel. We get God. We get God. Through faith in Christ, we get a relationship with God. He's on our side. He's for us. We're reconciled to God through Jesus, and he places his very spirit in us. And the God who is faithful, the powerful God who's in control, has put his spirit in us. He's with us in the storms. And like I said, that common phrase in the Old Testament is not just fear not. Many times it's fear not. I am with you. I am with you. But the disciples did something right here, like I said at the beginning. They went to Jesus. Yeah, they, they, they should have had faith and not fear, but they went to Jesus with their fears. And when we're fearful, that's what God invites us to do, to go to him, to go to him. And, but go to him. Go to him claiming the truth of his power and his promises and his presence. These are things that help us battle fear when we go through difficult storms in life. Let me ask you, do you know the one who can calm the storm? Have you come to realize who this is, as I said, that the wind and sea obey him? The God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who went to the cross and took the storm of God's wrath on your behalf, bearing the punishment that you and I deserve. So that if we'll turn, and, and then being risen from the dead in victory, defeating Sin, death, and hell. Can, 
do you understand that if, if we turn from our sin and put our faith and trust in him, that we're reconciled to God, we have peace with God, that we never have to experience the storm of God's wrath, and that the presence of God takes up residence in our life in the person of the Holy Spirit. Have you, have you done that? Have you trusted Christ? If you haven't, I want to encourage you today to look to him in faith. And If we can talk to you about that or, or walk with you through that, you can email us at info at gonorthpart.com. I'd love to set up a time to talk. Or if you trust Christ today, if you call on the Lord Jesus today, let us know. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'll look to him, repenting of your sin, turning from your sin and trusting Jesus, he'll save you and we'd love to celebrate with you. So let us know at info at gonorthpart.com. Believer, let us be a people when we're tempted to wander in fear and to be held captive by fear. Let us be a people that chooses faith as we remember the presence of our God with us, the fact that our God is powerful, that he is sovereign over all things, and that he is faithful and that he's going to get us where we're going. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful today for your presence uh, with us as a people, that as, a, as believers in Christ, you are with us at all times. And so, Father, I pray that we, w- we would hold to that promise today. And, and when we're, we're tempted to just to kind of be bound up by fear and paralyzed by it, Lord, that we, w- that we would choose to walk in faith and that you, would, that you would grant us that gift and encourage us in that today. And I pray for anyone watching who's never trusted Christ as Lord, as Savior, that today that they'd turn away from their sin to him in saving faith and be saved. Lord, we thank you, we love you, we thank you for the word of God, and we pray that you'd we'd have, help us to walk in this truth, Lord, so that, so that our emotions don't begin to master us, and so that we can show that we are filled with your spirit, walking in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. In Jesus' name, amen.